0: My name is Jeff Harbach. I'm the CEO of Coffin Fellows and an MBA graduate of the University of Texas at Austin. The Latter-day Saint MBA Society was founded by a group of MBA students and alumni who are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, with the hope of bringing together a community of business people striving to bless the world. In this podcast, we'll hear interviews with Latter-day Saint thought leaders that we hope will inspire you both in your professional and spiritual life. For more information about the Latter-day Saint MBA Society, visit latterdaysaintmba.com. And I'll pass it over to Kurt Frankum, who will host this week's interview.
1: On the Latter-day Saint MBA podcast, I'm with Jacob Jones. Welcome to the podcast, Jacob. Thanks, Kurt. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Now you are, uh, you just moved to Tennessee or how long has it been since you've been in Tennessee? Right. We moved
0: uh, in March. So I've been been here almost nine months now. And we've oh, loved great. it.
1: Oh, great. Awesome. Here, yeah. Nice. And um, what is it to, if people ask you what you do for work, how do you typically answer that?
0: what do I say? Product management is probably what I say right now. I, I, I joined Eastman Chemical. That's what brought me out here to to lead the product and pricing center of excellence. But I've done a variety of just kind of business management, marketing, strategy type of roles over my career.
1: Nice. And yeah. Eastman Chemical, is there, um, what's the, like, what would people be familiar with what they do or create or or is there anything?
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, different types of of plastics and just base raw materials that then go into to other things. So a, nice. a variety of just chemicals. I mean, just like the name says now nice. and there's, there's other things. There's films that go on automobiles. There's, um, uh, the plastic that's for your reusable water bottles, that type of thing. Yeah.
1: yeah. So it's stuff we, that we all use every day and take for granted and don't realize there's smart people like Jacob behind the scenes making it happen.
0: Right. Well, I at least get to work with the smart people that make it happen.
1: So. <laughs> nice. Cool. Well, let's uh, back up and just sort of put your, um, journey in context. Uh, where, where were you born and raised?
0: So grew up in, um, Utah, uh, mostly the Springville Mapleton area, just a little bit of South <laughs> of Provo. Um, so just kind of in the shadow of BYU and my, yeah, my dad was, a. Started out, he was going to be a, he wanted to be a seminary teacher. That didn't work out. He taught high school for a few years and then ended up getting a job in Provo at a, at a, at Novell at a networking company. And he was an instructor there. So he basically, um, has spent his career doing kind of education within software. And that's what brought us, brought us to Utah.
1: Nice. And was there much of an influence on, on what your, your dad did or what your parents did that led to the career path you took? You know,
0: there was an influence in that it probably took me longer to find w- what I ended up doing because of, <laughs> because of what he did. I, I think I grew up, and, and I, I checked with him before talking with you today, Kurt, to, to <laughs> see if I had this right, but I kind of grew up with the impression that like being a manager was like not that favorable of a thing, or being in business was, I, I mm-hmm. always felt like it was n- nothing wrong with it, but kind of maybe schmoozy or salesy or marketing meant you know making cereal commercials or toy commercials I, I didn't really have a good sense what it was and it didn't seem like it uh fit what I like to do um so I I honestly never considered a business type of a career until well into well into college and mostly after I graduated with my undergrad so it was it's a little bit of an indirect journey for me and mm-hmm. we'll, I think we'll get into it in a little bit but um yeah. but yeah it in so much that that his career uh, and, and what he did for a living kind of made me feel like I didn't want to do business, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. 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 yeah I think that's a, uh, that's pretty typical, right? For many experiences, you sort of realize what you don't want to do because of the, <laughs> your parents and whatnot and uh, you'll do anything else. Or, right. Or I thought I did. Yeah. 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 Um, so what did you uh, like, maybe as you were, maturing in your teenage years, was there was there a specific career that came to the surface that you wanted to uh, go towards? So I was uh,
0: pretty good at like math and science type of things. And so uh, by the time I was coming out of high school, I was pretty sure engineering would be something I would look at. I even did an engineering camp one summer, which was fun. Um, <laughs> so I you know, I I did think it, that was probably the right fit for me. I wasn't quite sure. Um, that's that's what I thought coming out of high school. The the only other thing, and this will get into uh, part one of the principles that I put down for you, but we can go into more depth. But it, there there were some things along the way that started to to tip me into new directions. But I don't think until looking back on this story, I wouldn't have recognized.
1: Hmm.
0: I wouldn't have recognized the path that I ended up taking. But. But no, I, I came out of high school thinking, okay, I'm going to be an, I'll be an engineer. That's what I was planning to do.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Uh, wh- how would you describe your faith development as, uh, you know, growing up?
0: Yeah. So, um grew up in a very, like, solid LDS home. My parents have strong testimonies, and um, and they're just awesome examples. I'm the oldest of four, and, you know, it, church is always just, and the gospel's always been there, I think. I feel really blessed to be in situations from, from very young that helped me develop my testimony and help me know that I you know, learn who God is and who I am in relation to him and 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 how he feels about me. So I, I feel very blessed to grow up in that. My neither of my parents grew up in that type of environment. And so they worked really hard to to have a different kind of a a feeling in their home and I was the lucky recipient of that along with my siblings.
1: Yeah, and so was the the mission service a, a no brainer when it came that time?
0: It was, although I, it was scary for me. I was pretty shy. Um, I don't know that I would describe myself as shy anymore, but I <laughs> well, remember you're
1: on podcast being interviewed. So I hope you're not shy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, here I am,
0: regardless. Uh, yeah. No, I I remember my mom making me call to order pizza for a some kind of a party we were having. And, and if I wanted pizza, I had to order it. And I was just petrified to pick up the phone and talk to a stranger to order pizza. Right. So that's where I was before. Um So I, I knew I wanted to go on a mission. I knew it was right. Um, I was pretty freaked out going into it, but, um, Oh my goodness. I'm so glad I did. There was, you know, in it, it, I always hope that this is okay to share, but in my patriarchal blessing, it said, you know, go on a mission and you're going to learn skills and you're going to learn things that you, that's going to help you. Not in, like throughout your life professional personal spiritual and and all of that's absolutely coming to be true learning just how to talk to people how to feel a little bit more confident be myself a little bit more and um and also just some things that I got exposed to that helped helped me in my career journey as well so
1: yeah and then did you do college before your mission at all or
0: I did although it was not the typical experience. I I got into the dorms last minute, but I got into the return missionary um, hall at BYU. And, um, <laughs> <Honestly>. <laughs> so all of the freshman girls, I would say, avoided that hall a little bit. And so, I, and I, you know, I was only 15 minutes from home. So I, yeah, I did have one year before. I spent it mostly by myself or with friends from back home, um, yeah, in, over the weekends. But but it was good. I learned a lot and um, helped me kind of take that step into independence before my mission.
1: Yeah. So the mission was an easy decision. Uh, was BYU the, the, the no brainer as well, or? No, I mean,
0: yes and no. So Kurt, I, I, uh, wanted to go to MIT. I thought that would just be so cool. And so I, I applied, I did some interviews and then, um, sent my application in only to have them call me a few weeks into the, or a few months. I don't remember the timing. Uh, and say, hey, Jacob, you're missing one of your standardized tests. <laughs> and it turned out, it said you needed to take the ACT and the SAT, or the ACT or the, the SAT and the SAT two math test or something. So that's what it said. I thought it meant either the ACT or the two other tests. It meant I could take one of the first two, and I had to take the second one. I oh, didn't nice. take that second one. <laughs> and uh, they said they would still consider me, and maybe they did. Regardless, I, I didn't hear back from them. And so, <laughs> BYU became the 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 next choice and look, it was, I'm so grateful for it. That was one of those experiences where a door got closed and it was exactly what I needed. Um, and I love BYU. It, the only reason why I didn't want to go is because it was kind of felt like it was in my backyard. Right.
1: Yeah.
0: And, and I wanted to get away a little bit, have an adventure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So how, how did things shift for you as you returned for your mission? And by the way, you went to Australia, right?
0: I did. Yeah. Sydney South.
1: Okay. Yeah. Nice. Um, any, was there a shift during the mission or after the mission that impacted the trajectory of your of your education?
0: Yeah, so I'll and maybe this goes into my first principle here which you Yeah, feel I, free
1: to jump into those.
0: That um, talks about like actively seeking out and following uh, breadcrumbs, right? So it, there, was, there was just a few little things along my path that I feel like were just these small degrees or small changes that really ended up changing the whole course of my life, right? So I, I think about These breadcrumbs along the way were, one of them, for example, was something else in my patriarchal blessing that said, hey, learn languages and cultures. You're going to need that. Um, So I thought, okay, no brainer. I'll go on a mission. I'll learn a language. Check, check. You know, like I'm getting a two for one. Well, I went to Australia and did get exposed to a lot of cultures. I served in areas where it was very um, international, very metropolitan, Uh, but I didn't learn a language other than other than some greetings in in various languages. So I came back and I thought, well, I've, I've got to do something about that. Right. Like I, w- I was told to learn this. <laughs> what, what am I going to do? Um, so I thought, well, maybe I should study international relations or I, I loved working with these people from other, other countries. Maybe I should do something that would that, where that was my career. And I started exploring different paths. Um, and my my mother, bless her heart, felt prompted to say, to have me connect with someone who I guess had moved into our home ward that that was a statistics professor. And that that was one of these like defining moments where he just said, Jacob, it's okay to do something technical and then shift into something that's not technical. That, yeah. that actually can give you a unique blend. Um, and I kind of felt f- free to do that. so So I did decide to go back to my original plan, do some type of engineering, but still there was this. I've got to learn a language. I was counseled to learn a language. What am I going to do? So, uh, the chemical engineering program is is pretty um, course intensive. There's a lot of credits, a lot of homework. So, I decided to audit a Spanish class um, and learned a little bit of Spanish there. Decided, you know, it probably doesn't count as learning a language. Taking two audited semesters of, of introduction to Spanish. And so so then (laughs) I found that for that next summer, I found a a study abroad where I could go to Mexico, learn Spanish during the morning and we did service in the afternoon. So this was another thing where it, it didn't just fall in my lap, but I was like trying to actively, I was trying to follow this combination of a prompting and a, and guidance I'd been given, right. And trying to make something happen. And so that led to these, to this study abroad, which I had a great experience and then I thought, I want to do that again, but I wanna do it. I love the service part. Like maybe there's a way that I can I can do more service in a Spanish-speaking country. So then the next summer I found um, an organization called Help International and signed up and went and talked to the 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 leader of it and said, Hey, I've, I've got this engineering background, isn't there anything I can do to help? She connected me with a few people in the in the community that were doing these stoves to help people cook and not breathe in the smoke that, that, as they cook in the traditional way. So I, I got trained on that, went to Guatemala and spent a summer doing various types of humanitarian things and practicing my Spanish. Wow. It, it was, cur- it was just um, life changing, you know, in this, in a similar way as your a, a mission can be and other experiences, but just helping me see how different people live and all, but also how I could potentially be helping people in multiple, in multiple ways. Um, it was was scary and hard, but it was it was a really cool experience. Um, so then I was and, like, and "What?
1: Uh, what date? Like, what time frame was this? Was this before you you graduated from BYU?"
0: Yeah, so this was like, you know, it, I took five years of school plus my two years mission. So th- this was somewhere like kind of right right in the middle. That maybe that okay. middle summer, I think, um, or my second to last summer, I think it was. So I, so I did. I, I did that experience. I did that Help International experience. Really um, felt empowered and thought, kind of got confirmation that hey, maybe this combination of technical and wanting to do stuff to help people and uh, maybe there's something there. And and came back to BYU and took a course on social entrepreneurship. That's actually Kurt, the only course that was connected to the business school that I took my entire undergrad. I, at, at this point, I still business was like the last, the furthest thing from my mind. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> um, but I took this class and, and the professor, um, was very big on like, you can do something like you can go start something, you can go build something you can, or go be, be a part of something and build it into something more. And it, I, I shouldn't have had to get permission from, from a class like that, but I felt like for some reason that gave me permission to like be able to start something on my own. I, and I don't mean on my own, but like t- to start something. So I started talking about it with uh, some people I worked with in a in, in, uh, job supporting one of the engineering professors. And before you know it, we're starting um, what then was Engineers Without Borders. They changed it to now called Global Engineering Outreach. But this program that took engineers and found projects that they could do internationally uh, in a humanitarian way. And we ended up kind of together with with a few really awesome professors, Um Putting this program together that involved coursework and programs and taking uh, students internationally and and that summer right after I graduated we went to to Tonga and and helped teach them how to make biodiesel out of coconut oil. Now it turns oh, okay. out they didn't have the supply of coconut oil we thought they had, so it, <laughs> I don't think it became this like game changing thing for the country of Tonga, unfortunately. But it was it was game changing for for me and in, in learning what I could do to make an impact and. I, I feel really um, good. Well, I think that's the right feeling. That it's a pretty generic word, but I, it feels really good to look back and say, you know, now this program's been going on for 15 years, and they've gone to Peru and and various countries to do to all sorts of different programs, and it, it feels neat to be to realize that that like that little small idea ended up turning into something that hopefully has impacted a, a lot of people. It just it felt it felt awesome to be a part of that. Um, my the next thing that was maybe leaning me towards business in this whole experience is there was a social entrepreneurship competition, kind of like the, these these various competitions about um, you know the best startup companies and we we ended up putting one together around this thing with with coconut oil and, and tonga and um turning it into biodiesel and ended up winning the competition and so I, I left I, I graduated on this like, on this big high of like, I can make a difference using engineering and, um, and, and, and trying to make, find ways that that, that can benefit people's lives. Right. Yeah. Now so yeah. far, this probably doesn't sound like a, a business story to you. <laughs> well, I, It's <laughs> intriguing
1: unless I appreciate just the, you know, this, the diversity of stories that we hear on this podcast of that. There's not like, yes, I got my undergrad in business administration and then I, you know, worked for two years and then I got my MBA or whatever. Um, and so I, I, appreciate this, this journey. Cause I'm sure there's some out there who have this, maybe passion and love for engineering or mathematics or whatever it be. But they also feel like, man, why am I still sort of leaning or being nudged towards business? And that's, right. that's okay. And other, other people have developed great careers like yourself on that type of journey. Right. Right.
0: No, it, it, it's, it's true. So that, Anyway, that was that was this journey that took me into a direction that I that I didn't uh, think I'd be on, which was this like passionate about um, humanitarian kind of stuff and and really charged up that I could make a difference. So, you know, my my college experience uh, undergrad was just um, it was awesome. I mean, it wasn't like it was every day was awesome, but it was overall I just left uh, on a real high. And um,
1: yeah. You and know, let me ask you jacob um, during ahead. those years of like going to guatemala and mexico or whatever like and i think that you said there are a lot of them are during the summers but did you feel like they were you had to slow down your college experience in order to make room for those or did they work in accordance with them pretty well
0: yeah i i felt like there was mm-hmm. by the time i decided to do my my major which was because i'd done a year before my mission um not knowing which major I was going to do. I, I kind of knew I was going to have to take four years after coming home from my mission. So I mm-hmm. don't know that it slowed me down. Um, what it did do though, I had I'd some amazing roommates and, and it, these, these two years before I did the Mexico and Guatemala and, and they were very entrepreneurial and business minded and they all went and did the pest control thing. And, and actually one of them now has a very successful career owning a, a company in that realm and they were taking courses at the Marriott School and like really fired up about business, and and I, I do remember coming home, and they had made twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars. They didn't tell me the exact number, but you know they came home with new trucks essentially. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> back back from their summer breaks, and I came home like trying to hope I my, kept my grades up so I could keep the part of my scholarship that was going to help pay them for the tuition. Right, so I, I do feel like there was a sacrifice there in the in the very short term. Uh, now I wouldn't have been very good going door to door during pest control. So it, that helped too. <laughs> but, um, but I really respect that, 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 they were good at it. And it really opened doors for them. But, th- you, you know, it did feel like there was a sacrifice involved. Um, just because it, I didn't know where the money was going to come from necessarily and, and ended up having some really generous people in my life that helped help cover the cost of like going to Guatemala and, and, and helped me make it a reality, but
1: yeah. Yeah. And I would imagine when it came time a few years later to apply to schools like uh, Harvard, I mean, did those types of things look really good on that application? I,
0: I mean, in retrospect, I have to think it played a role, right? I, I mean, yeah, I, I have to think that made me look at least a different profile than what people were looking for. And in addition to that, it helped spark some passions that I wrote about in my application um, essays and things that that helped get in so yeah I, looking back there's there's kind of this this path for me that I didn't even know existed and I didn't know was there but but when you look back you can see how all these things connect and I, it's just a when I do, when I take the time to do it, it just really fills me with gratitude that there was a, a path along the way. Now, yeah. the next phase in the past is going to get a little rockier. We'll get into that, Kurt. But, <laughs> but, but, but at I appreciate point, this. It was, that... like, it was like felt really good, right? I, I was I was learning, growing, expanding, and things were really working out how I wanted them to at first.
1: Nice. Well, and I, and I think it's helpful for... Uh, individuals to hear. And my journey is a lot like this where in the middle of it, I was just like, this looks like a mess. I don't feel like I'm going anywhere. Or what am I doing? Like I can't decide on anything. But then with hindsight, it's, uh, you just see the breadcrumbs the whole way. And you're like, oh, I, th- I see God was in this journey with me. I just right. didn't give him the credit in the moment, but now I give him all the credit.
0: Exactly. And, and you know, he doesn't give us a map, right? Like it's not, you're going to go 10 steps this way, turn left, go 20 steps this way. And and you're going to get through the forest and get where it, and, and half the time we don't even know what that destination looks like, or probably almost all of the time, but he does give us clues, right? And, and that might come in a, an impression that comes during prayer or a thought that comes during your commute or whatever, or something in, like for me and my patriarchal blessing. And I, I do think if you try to honor those and then actively try to seek for what that means for you, um, it really just opens up miracles.
1: It really. Does. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. So let's continue on this journey here. And okay. and again, feel free to, to, uh, thread in some of these principles that you prepared, uh, in advance here, but uh, so you've graduated from BYU and you're on this like humanitarian high.
0: Yeah. And so I, I had, and this is my next principle. I don't know that it's all that clever, but it's, it, it I wrote the best way up a mountain is rarely the most direct. <laughs> and this is uh-huh. kind of going to span me, you know, leaving school into, into my entering my business career. I grew up, like I said, in Springville, Mapleton. So there's a mountain, maple mountain right by our house that you just look up it, and it's, it's, you know, it it just makes you want to climb it. So one day when I was 13, my, my friend and I just decided to just go straight up the face. I don't know, maybe we made it 20% up, maybe we made it 30% up, but it was (laughs) steep, you know, our hands and feet climbing up and we weren't successful. Uh, the time when I was successful climbing it, you go on the path, and and it takes you all the way around the back. It you you don't even realize you're on the mountain for most of the time. It goes up past the lake, and you know the the real path to get up that mountain was a lot more winding. And so that was kind of the metaphor I for me in business um, that there was a winding path filled with some some falls and and hurts along the way. So I, I'm going to tell you this next thing, and it it sounds like. I'm saying I was really great or it might, I hope it doesn't, but <laughs> I contrast that because what's going to come right after is going to make, going to make that field very different. So awesome. Let's go I mean for it. That is, So I came out of school. I had four, I had four job offers. I really didn't want to just take the one that was the most money. I wanted to just take the one where I could do an impact. And I got this job at Dow chemical and they were at the time advertising, doing things with clean water in Africa. And I thought, okay, I'll get into the company and I'll, I'll go get involved in that and, and, you know, continue on this journey of making a difference. Um, and I went, what, what they did is they would recruit from campus and then they bring all of their engineers to the central recruiting fair for them. And I remember there were, I don't know, 200 engineers, chemical engineers or other types that were all interviewing for these jobs in Dow. And, and at the end of it, I ended up having a flight, uh, from Houston where the interview fair was to to their headquarters to interview for something else in the company and ended up sitting by the the head of HR that was from Australia. We started talking. Right. And, and she tells me in this thing, she said, Jacob, you are the number one recruit of this entire engineering fair. <laughs> I'm just like blown away. Right. she's like, everybody you interviewed with wanted you to come. So I, I, again, I, I was still on this high and it just really felt incredible. And I felt like I, I couldn't do any wrong. Now, by the time I had, um, graduated and I went to start this job uh the group had changed I kind of got assigned to another group dotted line and it wasn't clear what they wanted me to do and I I struggled (laughs) like uh, I struggled to know how to make an impact what I was supposed to do I ended up finding someone that kind of mentored me and I've I've I don't want to say followed him around I did follow him around but I learned from him and picked up projects from him and did things but it was clear that like I was not the rock star that I maybe (laughs) was told or, or Mm. sort of thought I might be like, I I was doing what I thought was the most important and it was not lining up to what my manager wanted. And it just, it just wasn't, he was just choppy. And, and also during that time, um, I'd started dating who's now my wife, our last year of school. So we were long distance there. It was off and on and rocky and hard. And, um, so that was going on in my personal life and work wasn't going very well. And, and it was, it was pretty humbling. Um, but I was just trying to soldier on, and I figured it would work out. And then came 2008 and the crash of 2008. Hmm. And our Dow Chemical had a major layoff, and and my my manager told me before the layoffs were even announced, she said, "There'll probably be layoffs, and I'm putting you on the list." You know, and, Dude, and laid I, off. Yeah, but I, oh, wow. exactly. Like you're out. Like you're not. You're not cutting it here. You're you're, you're not, um, succeeding. And that was, I, I don't know how to communicate what an emotional blow feels like very well with my words, but that Yeah, I just felt n- completely knocked off center. I did not know what I was going to do, uh, how, what my path forward was like, it, I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. <laughs> you know, like, I was just very, um, confused and disoriented and I felt like a failure. I just felt like I wasn't going to hack it in the real world. Like, okay, Jacob, you're good at school, <laughs> but, but you can't actually do anything in the real world. Like this is what I, this is how I felt. And it, it just, um, it just absolutely shook me to my core. Uh, ended up, you know, moving out of my apartment. A friend let me stay with him for the few months before, uh, before I moved back home. You know, here I am moving back home two years after, after graduating on this big high and and not knowing exactly what I was going to do with my life, and it was, it, it was humbling, and I, I felt like you know who am I? What do I want to do with my life? Like how do I succeed? Um, but I'll tell you, in retrospect, that was some of the most important time that I've ever had in my life to figure some things out yeah. and to, to, to strengthen my testimony and to strengthen who I wanted to be and. And a couple miracles happened along the way, um, s- several. So one, a, a friend that was also an engineer that always wanted to go to business school. He was actually the only one I'd ever heard about, like what a management consultant was or w- getting your MBA. I, he's kind of who I learned about that that stuff even existed from. He said, well, you know, some of these schools will accept people that have a couple years work experience. And I thought I had to have like five or six before I could apply to, to a business school. And I'd only had about two at that point. Um, So I thought, okay, maybe, maybe that's a path. Um, there were, there were a few moments during that two years of struggling that as I looked around at what other people in the company were doing, I would see the person in the marketing seat and marketing wasn't at all what I thought it was. It was kind of looking at the big picture and figuring out what the customers needed and what the technology could do and matching that all together. And, and I realized, oh, that's interesting to me. Like that's, that's like what we did putting that program together with Engineers Without Borders. Like it's, it's kind of organizing the structure to get something done. It's not just doing the technical work. So I ha- those two things made me think, okay, maybe business school is an option. Um, and maybe I'll look
1: at it. And, tech- and did you, at this point, Jacob, did you have any uh, ambition to go to any type of graduate school? or? Uh, uh, no, no. I didn't know okay. grad school was not, not,
0: yeah. a, not that's a, helpful to know. Cause
1: I know that a lot of people who end up with an MBA sort of know, okay, I'm now in that phase where I'm going to get right. some, you know, uh, job experience and then I will go back.
0: Right. No, I, I did not know that. Um, kind of into those two years that were going choppy. I was starting to realize that, right. I was starting to realize there's, there's gotta be something different. This isn't working, but I still thought I would go join the part of, um, uh, Dow that was doing clean water programs. And that, that's still what I thought my, my path Mm -hmm. was going to be, you know, I I thought I was going to work for that one company my whole career. I I really did. Like that was kind of, I'm wired to be pretty loyal. And that's just, I, I thought I made a thoughtful choice and felt, I felt really prompted that that was the job I should take, you know, but here it was not working. And, and then all of a sudden it's gone. So the, a couple other miracles that happened in there, Kurt, that I think, um, I'm just eternally grateful for. So one was the the friend saying, you know, well I've heard Stanford and Harvard actually take people two years out, but you know, who know though getting into the pro- those programs is not easy. And and so I saw, I decided I'm going to do this. I guess I've got to take I, I think there's a test I have to take. So, if, you know, realized I needed to take the GMAT. And and this was kind of this time of year however many years ago. It was it was pushing right before Thanksgiving. And I looked up the available slots to take the GMAT, and there was one the next day in the afternoon. And then there was one time I could take it over Thanksgiving break, but I was planning on flying home. My job was in Texas. I was planning on flying home for Thanksgiving. And so I thought, well, I I guess I'll take this test tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) Holy cow. (laughs) <laughs> and you can take it more than once, right? So I might yeah, as well yeah, take sure. it see what happens. Get practice right? run, huh? I took a practice test that night. I went to sleep. I woke up. I took another practice test. I took a nap. And then I drove to the testing center and took my GMAT. So I took three GMATs in like 24 hours. And and I, I've never had my mind feel more clear than I did during that test. Like, it, mm-hmm. And that wasn't because I earned it or I worked for it. Like I do think we have to do our part. And I'm not... Advocating not prepping for the GMAT for anybody.
1: Yeah, <laughs> but, there's but, a lot of gels people that are yeah. listening to your story. Right now.
0: <laughs> but like I, I never, f- for for me, whatever for whatever reason, where, where I was meant to go or what my path was supposed to unfold for my life, here I was like at my lowest of lows, and then I, kind of, just got blessed with this miracle and and had had a really clear mind and was really happy with how that went. So then I thought, okay, maybe I can get into business school you know Uh so i applied and frantically for the next two months you know you have to write your essays and you have to get people to write you letters of recommendation and, and i'm doing all this while i'm trying to figure out like how do i get my stuff back without any money and what do i you know what was going on in my life but uh that that was one more miracle and then the last one i'll say is i had a friend from high school and she expressed that she wanted to be a like a life coach and she had taken a course to be a life coach. And so she said, Jacob, i let me be, let me like, I'll give you half off or whatever and take my, use me as this life coach. We'll go through this however many weeks session. I can't oh, remember. Cool. How many yeah. And, and the things I learned, like, and this is somebody I grew up with and knew really, really well. Um, the things I learned from the books she had me read. And then especially like she had me write down things like my core values and what are my core values and what are the guiding principles of my life mm. and it was this time where I like really put my heart and and soul onto in, into these exercises of figuring out what I wanted to be. And I'll tell you, I would trade getting laid off for that document of my core values. I'd trade it in a heartbeat. Wow. But, like it, it's it's more precious to me than that experience was. Like I, it, so my, I guess my point is, it was this really roundabout path um, that was crushing, but then also made me into such a different and. And I hope better person. Um, so I ended up, yeah, applying for a bunch of schools. Uh, I got interviews with three. I got into two. Um, and so, I, so I applied to to Harvard Business School, Stanford, and MIT, and BYU. Um, MIT didn't want to talk to me again. So that's been a theme in my life. So I'm <laughs> done with do, MIT. Maybe if I go do a PhD someday, I'll try again yeah. and have, have my third strike. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Uh, Stanford gave me an interview, but I didn't get in. And then I got an interview with, with Harvard Business School and with BYU and, and got accepted to both. Um, and then ended up choosing, uh, choosing to go to HBS. But it was just such a whirlwind. Um, that's not even the right word. A roller coaster. I mean, there was just so many ups and downs and feeling crushed and hopeful and blessed and um, miserable. Like it was, it was just a very poignant time in my life.
1: Yeah. And no. I and I appreciate some of these these miracles, you know, big and small and more nuanced than not you know like for instance do you think oh you know the miracle was I got this letter of recommendation from this really well-known person but it was like no I ran into a high school friend who's a life coach and that experience you know you, you wouldn't yeah. you wouldn't expect that on this on the typical journey but uh you know God is just in these in these steps all along.
0: Yeah, he really is. And you know, I he really is. I I could not have planned this path for myself. like I, And I, I wouldn't have even, you know, like it, at least now that I've gone through it, I, I would gladly have planned it for me. But knowing what I knew now, what I choose to have a out like that, like that, go to a job, have it be a, feel like a complete failure, have your total self-confidence rocked and then have to figure out what to do with your life. Like, I don't think many of us would choose that, but I'm so, gr- I'm so grateful for that experience as um, uh, strange as that might sound.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so now you're at HBS in getting your MBA. I mean, what was that transition? Like, I mean, was it, uh, how would you unpack those, those couple of years? Yeah.
0: So, you know, I, I think, I think in all business school programs, you, you show up and there's all these other people that are just really great people and really smart and really capable. Um, and I remember introducing ourselves on the first day and feeling like I was just a complete fraud <laughs> You know, cause, oh,
1: yeah.
0: you know, I said what I did before, um, and uh, but I didn't, I didn't say like, and I came because I got laid off and had to figure out what to do with my life, right? And didn't know anything about business. I, I didn't part, put that in my intro statement. I just, I remember feeling just uh, like an imposter. And I know there's a lot of research around people feeling like imposters. Um, yeah. uh-huh. and that that was the the most poignant time for me. Now, as the school year went on, as the experience went on, I, I realized okay, hey, this is school. I can do this. <laughs> I can, I can contribute in class. Like these people are brilliant and, and wonderful, but sometimes things they say are awesome. Sometimes they're average. Sometimes I say average things every once in a while, I have a good idea that I share. Like I, I started to feel more comfortable in that business school experience. I, I still think professionally I had a lot of anxiety if I was going to be able to, to make it or not, but I was, I, the experience there um, really opened my eyes in a lot of ways, but it, it did help me start to Kind of rebuild my a little bit of my confidence.
1: Yeah. Any general tips, or they can be even more practical than not. As far as if somebody's walking into to MBA school, as far as just the day to day grind or getting through it, or you know, did you have some flashcard system that really helped you <laughs> out, <laughs> like anything like that?
0: Uh, no, I didn't. Um, <laughs> And I don't know that I'm like the the shining example of how to get the most out of business school. I I, I think it can be a time when people can, you know, you can learn so much. You do learn so much. It, there were so many outside of school programs and activities and, and clubs and things. I saw people get really overscheduled. I probably kept it a little simpler than I would have liked. I would showed it in a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but that first year, it was while my now wife and I had started to figure things out. We were deciding if we wanted to get married. We got, got engaged in between this semester. So my focus was very, um, my outside of school focus was very focused on her being out of state and
1: <laughs>
0: planning for that stuff my first year. And then we got married in between, and, and she was there with me for the second year. So, uh, yeah, I I think you do get, I, it's such a cliche, but you really do get out what you put into it, though. I You mm-hmm. can you can probably get away with skimming cases and just trying to come up with something to say in your classes and get by, right? Not get kicked out of school. You'll still end up with your MBA or you can really try to pour your heart into it and learn and, um, and really grow and stretch yourself. And honestly, Kirk, depending on the class, depending on the month, I probably did a fair amount of both of those things.
1: Yeah. <laughs> nice. Nice.
0: There were days Um, when it's like, okay, I got to look at this case for as quickly as I can and then try not just hope I don't get called on. And then there was other days when I'd really, really put my whole self into it. You obviously get a lot more out of the second than the first.
1: Yeah, I bet. (laughs) Um, Anything else about the, the uh, HBS experience that would be worth mentioning or. You
0: know, uh, I mean, there's so much to talk about with all of this. Probably the main thing is I, I learned that everyone's just a person like there was a lot of one neat thing about Harvard's program is they end up getting a lot of really, um, you know, successful in their business fields, people to come and speak. And they really are impressive and they are amazing. But you also realize that they're just people and they have their flaws and they have their their struggles. Um, You're there in a class and you get to know them as people and you realize we're all just people. So that that was good for me, feeling now, like I had had that failure and and was had some flaws and some things, that, weaknesses that I really needed to work on. It, it helped me feel a little bit better that like I'm not completely alone in that. And now that I look back even further, it's like I'm not at all alone in that. We're all in that boat, right? But HBS was a place where where I learned that a little more. I also learned that people are generally pretty great. Right, I think I judged. I, I grown up in Utah, been very isolated, like not not around a lot of different kind of lifestyles. And um, you know, we had a section that really liked to to party and <laughs> and, and do things that I had never been exposed to. Right, and and I think when I first was there, there was maybe some judgment in my mind about what kind of people these were. Um, and as I got to know them, I realized they were really great people. Like, so they went out and drink heavily, you know, <laughs>
1: like, sure. but they were,
0: they were really good people that cared about each other and were trying to make a good impact on the world and have, have gone on to be really great people and parents. And, and, and so that was another lesson. Like we're all, we're all just people. And most people are pretty great if you really give them a chance.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's uh, insightful for sure. Um, so we've talked about, actively seek out and follow the breadcrumbs and then your second principle the best way up the mountain is rarely the most direct and then growth over achievement have have we already touched on this or how would you impact that concept more
0: this this is perfect timing kirk oh good
1: it's like we've rehearsed this this is
0: (laughs) we should have Uh, so growth over achievement so coming out of business school um it wasn't 100 smooth i wanted to try management consulting and i just Bombed all my interviews and didn't get it. get, did, get into, didn't get a shot at that. Um, and like I said, I'd just gotten married, so decided to apply for like internal consulting programs and ended up getting a job at 3M doing an internal consulting program, um, which was you know doing different strategy projects for all over the company. And it was it, in retrospect that was perfect because I I was able to be home more than I would the, with the jobs that you're on the road nonstop. But I got a lot of Maybe not the, exactly the same, but I got a lot of similar chances to to practice being a business person because I'd never done that before, right? And really hadn't <laughs> been exposed to most of those things, and I thought that would be a good way to start my my business career. And I remember my first boss; his name was Scott. I, I brought him my like presentation that I was working on to <clears throat> about a problem I was trying to solve, and he just flipped through it. You know, he had me print it out. He flipped through it and said, "This is crap. This this doesn't make sense." this is missing. Like, uh, you got to work on this, you know? And I left just feeling uh, like kind of confirmed. Yep. They, they, they're finding me out. Like I'm not going to make it cut. I'm not going to cut it in the business world. And I was still in this mindset that like what I was seeking for was achievement, right? I was seeking for being able to deliver something and that that reflected on who I was as a person. Like, and if, if I delivered something bad, that meant I wasn't, less of a person. And if it was great, then I was better. Um, but what this manager ended up teaching me because he really did have my best interest at heart is when you give me this tough advice and I'd feel like failure. I learned to like, okay, well I'll go back and I'll try to, I'll try to do it and I'll, I'll bring it back and it would get better and better and better. And then at the end, I'd present this thing that I was super proud of, like just really felt proud of the work i'd done and it, it ne- i needed a lot of help from other people to get me there at the end of the day i learned from this manager that like getting feedback w- was good like it helped me be better and and i started to learn this principle about i, I feel a lot happier and better if i focus on growing and learning than than achieving something mm-hmm. um and you know, there, I don't want to get off on this for too long, but there's two kind of theories that, that are behind it that really influenced my thinking. One was a professor at HBS, Tom DeLong, um, talks about people that have a high need for achievement, and that's that's like a really common thing for MBAs. Like we're trying to we're trying to yeah. succeed, get something done, make a name for ourselves, whether that's a title or an accomplishment or whatever. And and there's a lot of power in like striving for things. But um, when you're focused on achieving it it failures can be taken really hard and I look back at my getting laid off and that's exactly how I was processing it right um, And you need a lot of people with a high need for achievement look for a lot of feedback uh, hopefully positive right And I love how he says it. He says you know a person with a high need for achievement wakes up and thinks today'll be a good day if I can convince people that I have my act together <laughs> right? So, so that's kind <laughs> of what you to achieve. The other theory is, um, Carol Dweck and she talks about, um, growth mindset versus, versus a fixed mindset. Oh yeah. And people think intelligence is, you know, is set. You are who you are essentially, or that you can, you can learn to be more intelligent and then watching those people kind of take those mindsets and it becoming a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Like the people who are worried about finding out that maybe they're, they have the fixed mindset, worried out they're finding out Finding out they're not good enough, they avoid challenges, they take the easy road, they avoid risks, and they end up not growing. And the people that that think they can grow put themselves into positions where they can grow, and actually actually end up doing a lot better than the ones that have the fixed mindset. So those two theories, along with that experience for me of, um, <clears throat> you know, getting my my work torn apart and then rebuilt, and then realizing I was getting better at it through that process. I've decided. Now I'm not good at it every day. In fact, I may be half good at it. um, But I've decided I want to be somebody who has that growth mindset, who who wants to prioritize doing things because it helps me learn and get better, and not be afraid of the mistakes that I'm going to make, like what we're inevitably going to make along the way. And I think there's a gospel principle in there about repentance. And like I used to just hate finding out I did something wrong because I felt like it meant i wasn't good as a person mm-hmm. like at my mm-hmm. core in some kind of fixed way and now i realize it just means there's an area for growth like i've accepted i'm far from perfect and and so then these are just chances to like change and grow and learn and we've got our a savior who already paid for the, all the mistakes anyway so i i look forward to repenting now more than i ever used to and i think it's that same mm-hmm. principle like if we can focus on on growing and learning versus proving that we have some value uh, through our, through our accomplishments. I just think it's a much happier place to be.
1: Yeah. Uh, So insightful. And, and there's i I've thought a lot about this as well, that I'm almost jealous of sometimes those that have picked a career path in sports where there's a literal trophy at the end that they can Uh hoist up and be like, we did it. You know, we, we accomplished this thing, but you know, most, people's lives or career paths are so nuanced that there's not, there's not a super bowl to be won, And so you can sometimes lose yourself in this path of achievement when there's not a clear achievement to be won, unless, you know, maybe it's, you know, finally selling that company you started or whatever it is, but to then shift that to just growth, then then there's so much there to, uh, to develop. Yeah. Yeah. If you
0: can really learn to love the growth of it, um, like that's that's the reward in of itself like and 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 this goes into uh, my principles gotta race them where are they um but that goes into the next principle which is like what are we trying to optimize for anyway and i put it it's we're optim we're trying to optimize success right but but what is the what's the objective function what's the true thing we're trying to get out of life i don't think it's selling a company for a certain dollar amount
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) i don't think it's Mm -hmm. a
0: net worth i don't think it's a position in a company i don't and I say, I don't think, I know it's not any of those things. We're, we're just trying to be happy right? and, and have our loved ones be happy. And, and, um, that's what we're trying to get out of, get, get out of life. And, and our careers can be, they're factored. Like, don't make no mistake of your like working years, which is a good chunk of our lives. We're spending a third of our hours more or less working. Right. Some people more, not very many people work less than that. Right that's a lot of time. So I'm not saying it's it's a trivial let's throw it away, but let's let's be really clear about what is the trophy. You know like yep, yep. and and I think that, you know, the trophy should be should be happiness. And then we got to think about what domain is that happiness in? Cuz and I put in here beware of the local maximum. So I'm I'm doing some work part of my my new job has involves pricing at our company. And so I get to work with these really smart data scientists and they're talking about these like machine learning and optimization functions. And uh, something that can happen in these functions is you can find what's called a local maximum where you've kind of like hit a high point where if you change the variables one way or another, it actually goes down around it. Mm -hmm. And I think in life we can get stuck in those, right? We can get stuck in, hey, if I put all these extra hours in at work, I'm going to get this promotion that's going to maximize my happiness. (laughs) But then if we zoom out and you look for the global maximum, like what's the true way to overall maximize your happiness, not in just in that domain, not in just in that moment. Um, I, the the answer through the gospel is clear. It's eternal life, right? Uh-huh. And that might mean being less successful at your, I put success in quotes. You guys can't see it on the podcast, but that might <laughs> mean not having the same title or bank account or career progression plan or, or whatever, uh-huh. Because we've dedicated time to something else, and that's should be okay. I, I I hope that that's okay. I it's hard for us though. It's it's hard for me to feel like it's okay. I, so I have to have this conversation with myself and with friends a lot. Um, like we're looking for eternal life. We're not looking for a retirement home in the Caribbean. I, I don't know that. <laughs> those two things, like the level of happiness from those two things. I'm not saying it wouldn't be nice to have the Caribbean home. Um, but like which one of those two, if you had to pick between the two, which one would you pick? Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, to reflect back on your time where you were laid off, like in the moment, you would have never wanted that, but in hindsight, you're so glad you had that, you know, rather than just nothing but success.
0: Right. No, exactly. And, um, I, I think a story from my career that that taught this to me, and I hope it can mean something to someone. Was I, I really internalized that that I don't want to just chase? Uh, I don't want to just chase my way up a career ladder as fast as I can as a, as an objective of itself. And every mm-hmm. way along the way, I've been like, "Is this it? Like, is this about as far up professionally as I'm going to go?" Uh, and I remember uh, f- about five years ago. I found a job in 3M that I felt like I was doing well at. I, I did it well for a few years, got a promotion in that job, right? Like it's feeling good about it. And it was time to move on to another thing. And I thought I could do the same type of thing, just in another business, or I could do this very different job. That's maybe more of the, the career ladder climbing. It was, you know, having a team and a PL and leading a business. And um, I, I ended up applying for both and had, had an opportunity to do both. But, I really worried Kurt that I, if I didn't want to just do the one that was kind of the up the career ladder for its own sake. In fact, I kind of didn't want to do it at all. It seemed hard.
1: Hmm.
0: (laughs) It seemed, it seemed like, um, the people on the team were like much older than I was much like more experienced than I was. And I just didn't feel up for it. And, um, and I really didn't want to get sucked away from my family. Some people have a harder time, like, you know, work just calls to them. Um, I'm very happy to put away work at the end of the day and go hang out with my family. Like that's easy for me. Um, And I, but I didn't want to jeopardize that. Right. But I remember praying and this was one of the most clear kind of probably the most clear answer when it's come to my career path through, through my whole life. I felt this strong impression, Kurt, that God telling me, Jacob, I need you to do this. Not because you want to do it. Not because it means anything about you, but I need you to learn some lessons here. So I needed to take this harder job, and um, for me that. So I did it, and and actually I ended up really loving it, and I did learn things, and I think I'm still learning things, and it was another one of those steps along the way that changes the course of our lives. Um, but I think it was important, at least it was important for me, that I didn't take it because it was the prestigious choice, or it was like I, I was proving something to anybody, you know. I took it because it was where I felt like I could learn things to do more good for Heavenly Father and his plan and what he wanted me to do. Um, Now I'm I'm trying to live up to that. And I know I fail all the time, but like that was a really important moment for me to think about how do I make career choices going forward? Because I don't know if if you feel like, you know, what you want to do for the rest of your life, Kurt, I I still don't. Most of the people (laughs) that I talk to, I mean, I just turned 40, right? Like I still got plenty of working years left. I still feel, and I talk to people all the time, so like, well, is this what I want to do forever or is there something else? I don't know. But what I do know is that if I have that, like focusing on kind of first, how can I keep my covenants and take care of my family? And and then how can I learn and grow and become a better person? If I can do that in, in my job, then great, right? <laughs> that That's yeah. what I should be trying to maximize. Um, and I think that ultimately you know, fits in much easier when you're making those tough choices about the work responsibility and the, your calling and some, when you're needed at home and making those trips. I'm not saying those are easy and it, we shouldn't judge other people because we don't know, right? Um, but those are hard choices. And it, at least if we're making them for the right reasons, I feel like it puts ourselves in a place where God will, he'll he'll lead us the way we need to be led, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's really helpful. So the last uh, principle you have here is, uh, in relation to the equation of success. Yeah, uh, and there's a few points there. So, uh, maybe this will be a good, good place to wrap up. Yeah, no,
0: for sure. And and I think that's what I was kind of getting at so that, you know, what are we trying to maximize there in our equation? of oh, that gotcha. eternal happiness, right? What are the variables? Focus on the ones that are the most important. Focus on your, your covenants with God. Focus on growth. Let, let's not get too distracted by our it's okay to have some career goals in there. I think that's fine. Make sure you know where they fit in the hierarchy. <laughs> like they're, they're further down a lot in, in that path. And then um, at the end, I just said, you know, don't conf- don't get confused on how this equation's graded and who grades it. We're, we are not, com- our, my equation for how to reach eternal happiness, it, it has a lot of similarities with yours, Kurt, but it's not the same, right? Like I need to make different decisions along the way. And, yeah. And I have to learn different lessons based on who I am. And so if we can keep our focus pointed to the Lord, especially when it comes to career, we're going to be, going to be just in, in a lot better place. I I just talked to a really dear friend who 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 kind of, who opened up to me and said how how long he'd really been struggling with just feeling like a failure. And he's done, I think, wonderful things in his career, but he just felt like it was never enough. He just had this pressure that he wasn't, good enough professionally in, in church in as a father, as a husband, right? Like, and, and he was always striving for more and you could just like feel it in him like that. Like he kept feeling like I was falling short and that he was failing. And we were talking about it and he said, Jacob, I had a really important, um, realization revelation the other day, which is I need a great, I need to judge my success based on at the end of the day, did I submit my will to, to Heavenly father today? And if I did, then that's success," he said. I, "I've gone off LinkedIn. I've stopped looking at what everybody else is doing. I've I've stopped. I, it's hard, but I'm trying to not worry about like how my career is stacking up against anybody else. And he's like, I'm happier for myself. I'm happier for other people when they when they do good. Like he, we're only graded by doing our best, and only God knows our heart. And if if we're doing that, like we really need to take. I, I feel just so passionate about this. We really need to take that like benchmarking ourselves off of each other we we got to get that out of the equation it's just a distraction and it and it just it just brings mostly pain you know like negative pain. yeah yeah that absolutely r- rarely does any good come from comparing ourselves to others in that way now we can learn learning from each other is awesome but comparing and measuring ourselves versus others it's not it's not the plan
1: yeah so. yeah well jacob this has been fantastic i feel like i've maybe sat back and just enjoyed the, your journey and learning, learning from it uh, more than usual. But uh, I, I appreciate you being willing to share your story and the ups and downs, the roller coaster, uh, the layoffs, um, but also the acceptance letters, right? Or the, the, the successes along the way. Um, so I don't know why my brain works like this, but random questions that yeah, I should so have much. asked earlier come to my mind. So did you ever learn, like, are you fluent in Spanish?
0: I, I learned, I, 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 could get around. Like I could, I was in those Latin American okay. countries. I could get around. I, we had some, we're finishing our basement. We had some workers that speak Spanish that were from Guatemala and I, I was struggling. So I needed, I, it's still, I've got to, I've got to refresh it, but I could.
1: Oh, all right. Well, I could, so does every other return I, missionary. I who learned language, like I,
0: so. I don't think I got to return missionary level, but I got close. <laughs> oh,
1: cool. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, um, we wish you luck in your in your journeys and and hope that uh, there's less uh, downs than 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 ups, you know, in the the future roller coaster rides. But last question I have for you, Jacob, is if you were in front of a room full of you know young professionals or people walking into MBA school, um, what what advice? What final advice would you would you give to them? What encouragement?
0: I mean, it's yeah, it, it, it kind of goes to that last point, which is like we're children of God we're, our, our potential is, uh, we, we can't understand our potential. So, so don't waste time. Um, feeling like you're not good enough, you know, having those doubts, just embrace that we're, we're out here to learn and grow and try things. And, um, and, and we have a savior that picks us up every time we fall. Thank you for listening to the Latter-day Saint MBA podcast. Check out the show notes for more information about our guests and visit com to find details about the Latter-day Saint MBA society.